When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Apsok, and this is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of ice and fire. Our broadcast day is beginning here for Wednesday, and Wednesday is usually the day on Daily Thrones during the season that we start looking towards the next episode, which will, of course, be the finale of Season 7 and uh, the Dragon and the Wolf. We got everyone meeting down in King's Landing in this big, giant parlay. It's going to be peach-free, I'm assuming, as parlays on TV Game of Thrones generally are. But it's going to be intriguing. There's a lot of things I want to talk about. But we're still looking back at the previous episode and stuff from yesterday. You guys have some great calls about Arya and Sansa. I'm going to put on the station here some theories some hey it is what it is i think we don't get anything more than what's on the screen and uh hey we might have a, a, a random chain comment too as well there's a lot of stuff there uh to break down from last week's episode which is why we love game of thrones right we can we can and put some analysis into each episode each scene each line for for a long time and that's what we're going to do here today on daily thrones but looking ahead to this week the finale uh are we expecting any deaths is it going to go bad? Is it going to go good? Because could the season end with the surprising revelation of Cersei going, all right, I've heard your claim. I've seen your evidence. Yep, let's team up. Let's go. Now, we wouldn't trust Cersei in that uh, situation. We know she'd probably try to pull something. But does, is that the end of the season? Is it the wall finally coming down? Is the wall going to come down at all? When Master Ebro said early on, excuse me, Maester, excuse me. Maester Ebro said early on in the season that the walls always stood. That to me was a definite clue that the walls coming down. But you know what? When things are definite on Game of Thrones, they usually aren't. Just like we definitely thought a lot of people were going to die north of the wall on Jon's team and only Thoros and Viserion are gone. So what's going to happen? The mountain and the Hound, some kind of uh, Clegane Bowl we never thought we'd get, but is finally happening. We got Brienne and Jamie down there. We have Jorah there. Danny not really seen in those things, so she uh, flying around. She waiting. What's going on there? And what will happen when Jon Snow finally meets the Lannisters? Really hasn't been around him. Tyrion was kind of the only one early on. He's been off on his own missions. This is the first time John is kind of in uh, in the in the main city, in the main uh, area for all the big characters and plot. That's going to be interesting. It's going to be kind of an out of context John Snow. So, what are your thoughts on all of that? That's what I want today, and more here on Daily Thrones. Your calls, your voice, your thoughts. Make up this show just as much as mine. So call on into the station. Love first-time callers. We got a lot of them this week. You are most welcome to join in a celebration of HBO's Game of Thrones right here on Daily Thrones. Hello, all. This is Luminati. First of all, I got to tell you that Luminati is in love with Arya Stark. You got to quit hating on her for a minute and let me drop this plot twister on you. No one commented on Arya or Sansa Stark sending away Brienne, the only person she can trust 
to answer a summons by Cersei. You know, that doesn't make sense. Cersei doesn't have any command over Sansa, but instead she ends up sending Brienne in her place. Doesn't make any sense at all. You know why? Because that wasn't Sansa. That was Arya Stark doing her thing. Oh yeah, you're loving her now, but that's okay. There's plenty of Arya Stark to go around. Until next time, Arya and I have people to kill. Hey Ken, unfortunately I think it is what it is in terms of Arya and Sansa's storyline this season. I think Arya is being completely unreasonable and I actually do feel like it's just for the story writers to have some tension at Winterfell. I feel like they still could have done, still, I love the dynamic between Arya and Sansa when they first regrouped and they were still there's still that tension between them because they are sisters they fight and they weren't on good terms when they departed in season one so that tension should still be there but i feel like this is just so manufactured to the point where they're trying to make false tension between the two hey there daily thrones um i wanted to talk about the scene between Arya and sansa and i'm certainly a big fan of Arya, and because her character is so simple she is about revenge against her enemies. Never before has Sansa been her enemy and never will she be because they are blood. Um, she, in this scene, I think, makes very clear to Sansa, I am honest about what I want and I need you to do that too. And let me know what it is we can do together. How we can, you know, boost up the Stark name again. And of course, how we can take out our mutual enemies. And it's Arya's blind devotion to her cause where she allows her to get tricked and fooled and misstep. She's done it before and this time with Littlefinger. But we know Sansa doesn't quite trust Littlefinger and now Arya will not either. Hey Ken, now that we're done kind of analyzing the episode, starting to look forward to uh, the next episode and next season. And uh, as soon as the Syrian got turned, I started thinking, okay, now how do you kill an ice dragon? And I definitely subscribe to the thought that Bran will warg into it, but it's not quite defeating it, uh, depending on whether or not they have some plan with that. But I uh, definitely believe that Melisandre is going to have a role in taking out this ice dragon, or at least part of the White Walker army. Uh, I think she's going to come back from Volantis with uh, an army or a group of red priests and priestesses. And I think she's got one big uh, role left to play. And uh, she might sacrifice herself uh, to unleash maybe some power of the Lord of Light to take out something within the army. She sacrificed enough people using fire. Maybe she uh, uses it in turn to take out this ice dragon. Thanks. Jeff with a call looking ahead to not just the finale, but also what could possibly be happening next season with Melisandre and her role in the greater good and the greater fight. The fight for all of mankind. The war for the dawn. Well, uh, you know, it got me thinking. This is by no means, I'm not a big theorizer uh, guy. I, I look at the theories, I read the theories, I love the theories, but I let you guys help me form theories. I just I just, I just, sometimes take the show and the books as it, as it lay, as it were, and go, oh, uh, that's what happened. So I don't like to get too far ahead of myself, but I also, I love it. I love speculating. And Melisandre, 
has a part in this, I'm sure. She's not just disappearing off the Volantis. Now, just saying, hey, does she come back with an army of red priests and priestesses? I don't necessarily know if that's true. But with Thoros down and uh, Kinvara, the high priestess, really only involved to get the word of Danny spread across the lands, um, Melisandre's saying, point blank, I'm coming back. And let's not forget... She told Arya, we shall meet again. And a lot of us thought that was going to be this season. Maybe while she was wandering away from Winterfell and Arya was wandering back. It didn't happen that way. Melisandre is gone and with a promise of a return. Could she end up being uh, in some sort of uh, capacity... Uh, a modern-day Nisa Nisa, which is part of the Azor Ahai prophecy and legend and story, and how he formed the Lightbringer, the Flaming Sword, of course, uh, the prophesized Flaming Sword, which might be literal, might be figurative, and he forged it on his third attempt by plunging the finished sword that he made into the chest of his wife, Nisa Nisa, which her soul combined with all the power within, and it made Lightbringer. Could Melisandre have something to do with that? Could she have a part in the prophecy of Azor Ahai and the prince or priest, uh, prince or princess who was promised? Maybe she has to sacrifice herself in some capacity to defeat not just a dragon white, but the Night King himself and give Jon Snow his powers or Daenerys her powers or both of them their powers? There's some stuff going around that maybe Sansa is the modern-day version of Nisa Nisa, which doesn't necessarily mean she has to marry Jon Snow, but means she'll have to get factored into the story a little bit more than she is right now, just fighting with Arya and maybe taking that little figure. So, what do you guys think? What is Melisandre's role? Does she have one in the wars to come? Or is she just going to disappear into the story? I think she'll be back with a reason. We saw a Benjen Stark cold hands on the show can return just for this important role I think maybe Melisandre still has a part to play let me know here on Daily Thrones Hey Ken it's Jeff calling about the idea of Clegane Bowl in episode 7 absolutely love the idea of these two finally fighting Uh, the only issue I'm having is what sparks these two to fight in the next episode Uh, Part of me thinks there's going to be some sort of duel. I just don't know what causes these two to actually duel one another. Um, Part of me is thinking that maybe Cersei demands um, someone defeat her champion, and if they do, she'll join the Alliance. Uh, She doesn't really want to join the Alliance, hence why she has the Mountain. Uh, She thinks she's got an easy victory there, but then Sandor steps up, maybe takes on the Mountain, defeats him, and Cersei's forced to join the Alliance, and Cersei has to find some other way out of an Alliance she doesn't want to be part of. Uh, Just a thought, can't really think of anything else that would cause these two to fight other than just seeing each other and hating each other right away. Um, Thanks. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. I think we're getting the Clegane Bowl this this Sunday because I'm looking at the timeline of events that, that need to happen and when else are you going to have it? In what situation will the Mountain and the Hound be in the same place at the same time in perfect circumstances? And Cersei needs a test, right? They're going to bring a white. They're going to demonstrate that this thing is dead. And she's going to point to Kyburn and her bodyguard and say, well, this thing's dead too. Kyburn may whisper, hey, Majesty, technically he's not. He's still dying. And Cersei's, you know, like whatever, you know, go ahead and show me you can kill this thing and maybe we can talk. And the, mount, the, the hound will step up and look at his brother and go, yeah, it's on. The hype, I think, is real. Okay? Cluck Lane Bowl, 2017, this Sunday in the Dragon Pit. 
be there. Get hyped. Clegane Bowl is here. Potentially. At least it's on the table. We all thought it was happening last season, and it didn't happen. And I fell for it. I thought it was coming. It made perfect sense. And maybe that was the problem. It just made too much sense. Cersei's going to go to trial by combat. She's going to have the Zombie Mountain as a champion. Uh, who should fight for the faith but the recently converted gravedigger himself, the Hound? Seems good on paper. Seems good maybe in book form. I don't know. But it didn't happen. Which is one of the things we love about Game of Thrones, right? It's hard to predict. Just when you think it's going one way, it goes the other. Which is why this finale and the end of Season 7, I still don't even, don't even know if Click Game Bowl is going to happen. I mean, they're going to be in the same spot, right? It would make sense. And I don't think we're, we're theorizing on how and why and what will be the need of the Clegane Bowl at this point. I don't know if there is a need. The Hound sees his brother, realizes it's him buried beneath that mask and the uh, zombie covering, so to speak, and just wants to take him out. I mean, that's what the Hound's purpose is in life, right? Vengeance, violence, and now with a newfound purpose. And if he knows all the wrong the mountain has done, maybe this is the Hound's way to make good on a lot of the bad he's done. But this is what I love about the finale, and I'd love to get your guys' thoughts on this, is... I can't quite put a finger on what might happen. I think the wall might come down. We're going to have some talks about, you know, the wall, dragons, and how that all matters. But when the season started, I could have never predicted that the season would end with a parlay between Cersei, Daenerys, Jon Snow, and everybody. I just never would have thought this is where we're going to go. Now, I don't necessarily know how it's going to go. I don't even know at this point. It could be friendly. Maybe Cersei goes, yep, that there be a white. Uh, conv I'm convinced. Kyburn's got me with a zombie mountain anyway, so I know there's some weird things going on in the world. You're right. Let's all team up. I am uh, not a bad person deep down. I'm just a misunderstood queen. Let's team up. We'll sort it all out later. Maybe that's the ending we're going to get, and then the Night King takes down the wall, and season eight is... The All-Stars of Westeros uh, trying to uh, trying to take on the Night King. Maybe that's the swerve. Or maybe what we all kind of feel will happen is Cersei will do something that will upset some people. Jon Snow will be stubborn. Danny will lose her temper. And all hell will break loose. And then the Night King will still take down the wall and come south. I, uh, I think there has to be, in order for this to work, I mean... What we saw this past week, what what upset some people, and nothing, it didn't upset me, but I saw it as as, as uh, something that you know made the episode a little different was the lack of tension in us in that final fight. Uh, knowing Cersei was, uh, excuse me, knowing Danny was flying in on the dragons, um, whether or not you could have predicted the dragon was going to go, uh, Viserion's death might not have been on your brain, but we knew Danny was coming, so the tension was gone. I, I've said that time and time again. But is there tension enough in the Night King in a, in a battle against him? Is it just a given that Jon Snow and his all-star team of Westeros uh, heroes are going to win again? 
I don't necessarily know. It depends. And this is the show we're talking about. It might have to end a little happier, but if Game of Thrones, the show, is going to keep to uh, what it's set out to do, which is what some people people feel Season 7 maybe isn't doing, or what the show isn't doing post the books, where it's... uh, it's not as uh, dark and dire. I mean, it's dark, but you know what I mean? Like uh, George R. R. Martin writing this uh, scene, whether it's in the book or not, he might have killed five of those seven people north of the wall. Instead, we lose Thoros and Mir. So you see what I'm saying? Is there tension in this John versus the Night King? Is it a given John will win? So is it a given that Cersei will fight them? Maybe he'll, she'll join up. You get where I'm going. That's what I love. From Clegane Bolt to this, I don't know what to predict in the finale. We can have some fun doing it, though. And I want your predictions for the finale as we finish out the week here and get ready for Season 7, Episode 7, The Dragon and the Wolf. More calls later here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken. I'm agreeing with a lot of what's being said. Uh, don't want to retread that too much. I do think this episode will be improved on some rewatches. Um, I do think my frustrations, you know, once I let go of not expecting a big, you know, ice battle with a bunch of character deaths, uh, and again, revisiting the episode, I think I'll enjoy a lot more. Um, I was frustrated with some character choices, particularly Sansa trusting Peter Baelish again. Um, I was frustrated with that, but I have some thoughts after as to why it actually makes sense. I know we'll probably get into that throughout the week, so I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, I did love, you know, Benjamin showing up. I know we were speculating about that a couple weeks ago about maybe a, you know, a quick reunion that did lead into death. So it was really quick. <laughs> I think he said one word to him, but um, that was interesting to see. I love now where you're talking about the hound heading down to, to possibly face the mountain. So there's some things there to definitely look forward to. Uh, obviously, losing a dragon was rough, but gaining an ice dragon could be kind of fun. So I'm looking forward to this uh, next episode next season. Hey, Ken, um, you mentioned something on Thrones Talk that I thought about yesterday, and that's when Tormund was talking to John about Mance and how, you know, we know Tormund loved Mance and all that, but how he thinks Mance, you know, didn't necessarily do the right thing by not bending the knee um, to Stannis. You know, John pleaded with Mance. He thinks he's making a horrible mistake, and Mance had that great line. You know, all I ever wanted was the freedom to make my own mistakes, but I think Tormund... In this scene from yesterday, was pretty much kind of agreeing with what John had said to Mance before Mance burned. We close out the night with a great call from our good friend Eric Monroe about Tormund Giants Bane and his conversation with Jon Snow towards the beginning of this past week's episode. It was actually one of my favorite little moments of the show. It is Tormund passing along Jon's advice to Jon. Uh, remember John and Mance Raider as John at the beginning of season five tried really hard to get Mance to bend the knee before Stannis. But Mance stayed true to his free folk way and just wanted the choice and the freedom to make mistakes and not bow and not bend if that's what he wanted to do. And it's been something that Danny has been asking Jon Snow to do all season long and we got it at the very end of this episode. And it's a big moment that gets buried, I think. It's a moment that even uh, in hosting Collider's Throne Talk, we ran out of time and couldn't really delve into because we were so caught up on chains and dragons and who died and who who didn't die. But it's a big moment. Whether or not it is rife with weird, odd sexual tension between aunt and nephew, um, it was an important moment for John to bend the knee. Figuratively, he couldn't literally do it, of course. Uh, And I think that has something to do with Tormund at the beginning of the show. 
saying how many people had to die because of Mance's pride. Now, Mance Raider on the show and in the book, though they're slightly different iterations, of course, they're both, uh, Mance is one of my favorite characters, hands down, and Karen Hines does an amazing job and with what little uh, time he has on the show, and I actually love his his end, his final speech, his final, his final conversation with Jon Snow at the beginning of season five is one of my favorite moments in the entire series, and uh, I think... What it shows is, I've seen some people out in the media discussion world criticizing the writing. The Tormund wouldn't do this. He is free folk to the core. He wouldn't tell John to kneel. But I think it's, uh, I didn't take it like that. Tormund clearly says, ah, oh, John, you spent too much time with us. And he respects it, I'm sure, but Tormund changed. Tormund's now in more of a leadership position. And the rules have gone out the window. The wildings, the free folk, they're manning the wall. They're not attacking it. They're defending it. Everything has changed, and I think Tormund realizes that too. That this isn't about iron thrones and kings and queens and, and fealty and bending the knee. This is about life and death. And that was one of my favorite moments with Tormund. I think it shows that he learned, he's grown. He's not just a crazy ginger kissed by fired beast who wants Brienne. He has uh, great thoughts, he's learned, and he has great advice that Jon Snow, in the end, took. It's one of the reasons that, though I understand a lot of people thought Tormund might have uh, been expendable and could have died in that scene, I'm glad he's around. We're going to get some great scenes with Tormund, I'm sure, next season, and, 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 and hopefully he sticks around to the end. That's it for today. More calls, more theories, more speculation tomorrow here on Daily Thrones. Don't forget we have a daily podcast available on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. We're on Google Home. We're on Alexa. Uh, We are on a lot of things. Find Daily Thrones daily. Call in and let me know your thoughts on Game of Thrones.